And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. I don't know Japanese. I speak English. These guys are marks. They're trying to get a pop from you fellas. Yeah. I hear the backstage, all the boys are laughing at that one. You know what? All the fans around the world, they think we're unoriginal because we throw up the two sweet and we yell, suck it. But there's more to us than that. You see, the reason why tag team wrestling is even talked about is because of us. We have kept tag team wrestling relevant for the last decade and the reason why you guys are booked tomorrow is because we are here in New Japan. And that's a shoot. Tomorrow, we are going to beat these two and keep these championship belts because this is what we do, and this is what we do for a living. Hey, uh, hashtag spoiler alert. This is what's going to happen tomorrow at the Tokyo Dome. Weirdo Trent's going to come strutting to the ring doing that weird thing with his leg that nobody even understands. Rocky's going to bang his chest and go, hey! Hey, 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 the same old garbage every year. But the Young Bucks, the greatest tag team on planet Earth, are going to come out to the ring head to toe in gold with the sweetest frickin' gear in professional wrestling history. And we're going to beat you guys in maybe 10 to 12, maybe give Rocky, I don't know, a Meltzer driver or something. We're going to go home, make love to our wives, maybe make more babies, put another design on a t-shirt, and sell 1,503 days. Because this is what we do. We're the greatest tag team in the world. The Revival knows it, New Day knows it, the Hardy Boys know it, and Rapunky Vice knows it. See you at the dome, dweebs. I hope you're ready for a super kick party! <laughs> it's my music. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich, and joining me today for the second time on the show, he is a contributor for Voices of Wrestling. He is also the host of the Panels on Pages podcast, and he's the president of the Lana Theme Fan Club. So everybody, please give a nice big ba-na-na-na-na, to my good pal, Kelly Harris. Kelly, welcome back, I, man. I'm so happy to be here to discuss all of Lana's great themes. It's going to oh. be a fun-filled, I don't know, three-hour episode? Well, listen, there's this theme, there's that theme, there's that other theme. We've got a whole oh, smorgasbord so of Lana themes to get to today. Uh, I feel like we have to also talk about her precursor, 
which is Oksana's theme. Ah, uh, that too. I feel too, like yeah, they're yeah. right around the same genre. Listen, they could be the same person for all we know. Yeah. You know, this, this is wrestling we're talking about here. But uh, uh, truthfully, truthfully, the first time you were on the show was the Taste of 2017 episode. And we did indeed talk about and, and gush somewhat about Lana's theme on that episode. And then I heard you on the Women's Draft episode on Omakaze a few months back. And wouldn't you know it, you're serenading everybody with your rendition of Lana's theme. So when I say that you were a big fan of that song, I'm not lying, Kelly. Not at no, all. No, you're not at all. Because <laughs> it just gets in your head and then it lives there for a while and then you need to inflict it on other people. <laughs> And I, I, I'm so happy I got someone to draft Lana. <laughs> I, I guess for some people it's Piano Man, uh, for some people it's Hey Jude, and for you it's... But a classic, yeah, a classic. But anyway, Kelly, you know, it's the end of August now, the G1 is over, SummerSlam is in the past... And at the time of this recording, August 30th, a little show called All In is just a few days away. All In, of course, uh, is a 2003 South Korean drama series that ran on SBS... Oh, wait. Wrong Wikipedia page. Sorry about that. <laughs> my fault. It's my fault out. there. <laughs> um, kidding, of course. Kidding, kidding. All In is the big wrestling show going on this weekend, this Saturday, in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, remind me, Kelly, are you going to All In? I am, in fact, All In. I, w- I will be there. Well, lucky you, then. I I couldn't <laughs> get tickets before they sold out, so... I'm amazed I got tickets. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I tried and tried and tried, and then all of a sudden, boop, they're gone. Sold out. <laughs> so I guess, I guess that ain't happening. <laughs> It was really weird how it happened because we had, I was at work, uh, another guy that I'm going with was at work, and our group was five people. So we had one guy who was off for the day, he was trying to buy tickets. He could only get three of them at first. Then he got one on its own, and then just nothing. So I try and go on, nothing. My other buddy finally tries last, gets on, gets two tickets like it's nothing. It's like, how? How does this work? (laughs) Yeah, I, you know, I, I would have liked to have gone, obviously, because A, a lot of VOW people such as yourself are going, and I want to finally meet you guys in person and hang out and, and watch trusting with you and, and all that stuff, and and B, it's a, it's a pretty significant event, you know? It's the yeah. first time a non-WWE, non-WCW show sold 10,000 seats in the U.S. since, like, 1993. Um, I know uh, WWE often calls things historic to the point of nausea, but this show truly is historic. And I, I am... You know, there's going to be a lot of moments. Lots of, lot moments, of moments, that's true. A lot of, lot of OMG moments, perhaps. Oh, Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I am envious of people like you and Rich and John Carroll for getting to be a part of it yeah no when we got our tickets it was all about you know we want to be a big part of this uh 
movement to say, screw you, McMahon. Turns mm-hmm. out they didn't really need us. Like, enough <laughs> people were getting tickets on their own. Yeah. But, you know, I'm still really excited to go. Yeah. The good news is, is that I did get a ticket for the G1 Supercard in MSG next year. Nice. During Mania Weekend. I am going to that one. And I know Rich is going to that too. And uh, Joe is going to that. And Damon and Joel from the Super J cast are going as well. And a lot of people are going from VUW. Which, that event itself is also quite historic. Uh, a lot of moments on that show, I'm sure. But uh, yeah. So I, I may have to wait a few more months to meet all my internet friends and trash them in person as opposed to online. <laughs> but a show like that, I think it'll be worth the wait, Kelly. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited to see that show. I don't I don't think I'll be going to Mania Weekend this year because I do want to try and make Japan happen. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't know. I don't want to choose what WrestleMania shows I'm going to in August. <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite daunting. It is because there are so many shows to choose from and some wrestlers are on this show and some wrestlers are on that show and they're going on at the same time. It's very hard to pick sometimes. I know, you know, Joe Lanza has his path to greatness every year, but even then it could still be quite hard to choose. Yeah, it's you kind of are better off going the wacky route, I think, because you just you get the weirdest show possible and the most memorable time. Mm. Yeah, like uh, Mike Spears will be like six beers deep at Joey Janela's spring break. And then afterwards, he'll be like, hey, let's go to uh, Kaiju Big Battle where we'll, where we'll, we'll, we'll all drink even more. So it's... You got to do Kaiju. Like I we've done it the past two years. I loved it. And especially this past year, seeing Daisuke Sakamoto and Numenor yeah. always show up. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time. Um, or at least the G1 show will be. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, yeah. Now we mentioned All In, Kelly, and All In is being promoted, produced by three men, two of whom, by sheer happenstance, Kelly, happen to be the subjects of today's episode. That's a really big coincidence. It's weird. It, it's weird. The winds of fate just so happened to blow me in the right direction for this episode, Kelly. So You reached your hand in the Music of the Mat hat and pulled out the name, and it just so happened to be those it guys. It just so happens to be these guys. So, episode 41, uh, the season premiere, if you will, of this next batch of 10 episodes, we'll be talking about the themes of Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. They, along with Cody Rhodes, are the guys putting together All In, and... The Young Bucks, you know, they've just been lighting the world on fire these past few years. Multi-time tag team champions in Ring of Honor, PWG, New Japan, countless other promotions. A litany of stellar matches to their name. Quite popular too, as evidenced by their merchandise sales going through the roof. Uh, They've got a YouTube channel. They've got... Funko Pops, they've got a children's book, for crying out loud. And now, All In, selling out 10,000 seats. And it's really incredible how these two good Christian boys, these these two brothers from Rancho Cucamonga, California, have managed to accomplish so much and reach such great heights in their careers and create this empire of sorts 
without signing the WWE. They're really following in the footsteps of Colt Cabana and showing the world that this path can work. Not everyone can achieve this success, obviously. And it took the Bucks a lot of time and hard work to get where they are today. But it is possible, Kelly. Yeah, it takes something special, and they definitely have it. They've connected to the crowds so much better than, honestly, I ever would have thought seeing them the first few times. I mean, they were impressive, but who would have thought that they and Cody Rhodes, of all people, would be selling out a 10,000-seat venue? Yeah, I'm trying to think back to when I first saw the Young Bucks. I think it was in... Well, the first time I saw Nick was in that Chikara four-way with Jigsaw, Ibushi, and Generico. Nice. And I think my first Bucks match proper was also in Chikara around that time, 2009, 2010. I don't remember which one, to be honest. But I remembered liking them a lot because they did a lot of cool shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, if you like cool shit in your wrestling matches, watch a Bucks match. Because chances are you'll see some cool shit. And, and now yeah, I found them because I'd never I've never really watched PWG in full, but mm-hmm. I would watch like the clip videos on YouTube. Yeah, so that's yeah. How I knew them only for years. <laughs> just watching <laughs> clips of their matches and be like, man, these guys are cool. Yeah. And, and nowadays, I think they've just gotten just better and better. Oh, yeah. As time has gone on and in terms of match quality and, and character work as well. You've got their matches with the Briscoes and Rapunky 3K and LIJ and the Motor City Machine Guns and Best Friends and Golden Lovers and so on and so forth. So they're really hitting some deep home runs here, Kelly. Yeah, I still say I think it was like two, three years ago, maybe actually four at this point, a match they had with the Briscoes at a Ring of Honor house show in Milwaukee is still one of the best matches I've ever seen live. Yeah, and it's amazing really just seeing how far they've come, you know? Because, yeah, I first saw them in Chikara in 2009 or whatever, but they started wrestling like five years prior to that. Um, I'm reading this article on Vice Sports now about the Young Bucks, and it talks about how they started out wrestling in California in 2004. And not Mm. just wrestling either, but promoting as well. Jeez, They had their own promotion called High Risk Wrestling, and Matt was running that thing when he was like 19 years old, and (laughs) from there, they just clawed their way slowly but surely up the ladder, and I stress the word slowly because, like I mentioned before, this kingdom of super kicks and t-shirts did not just happen overnight. Uh, the, The Young Bucks are the furthest thing from overnight successes. They had to grind for years and years to get to where they are today, and it was quite brutal at times. When we get to the TNA section of the show, it'll get quite depressing as well, but yeah, yeah, they thankfully managed to get through it all and keep at it and keep at it, and they struggled and they scratched and they put in their thousand hours, and now they're just kings of the world, Kelly. Yeah, it shows. You need to have perseverance. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't hit their strides until way later in life. It's like when you think about uh, Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, they didn't create the Fantastic Four until they were in their 40s. 
Yeah. And another name that comes to mind, actually, um, Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. Rodney tried comedy in his younger days, and it didn't work out. He quit. And then he came back to stand-up in, like, his 40s or whatever, and that's when the rocket took off for him. He became famous in middle age. And that's true for so many guys in wrestling or entertainment in general. Uh, Comedians, actors, musicians. Not the middle age part, but it does take a lot of time and effort and patience to quote-unquote make it. A lot of which we don't actually see. We see the finished product when they break big. We see the comedian on The Tonight Show. Or the musician on SNL, or the actor in the big breakout movie, but we don't typically see the grind. We don't see Matt and Nick in some small SoCal indie in like 2006 or whenever. And the grind can be very disheartening if you don't have the metal to stick it out. But thankfully, the Young Bucks did. Yeah, and that's what's so great as a fan to watch, guys when they start and see how they progress as they age because you can it's not just all oh, the breaking rights i've been there the whole time you know it's great to watch them just find success like i love that stuff mm-hmm. definitely yeah yeah all right kelly without further ado are you ready to discuss the themes of the young bucks oh i am ready awesome awesome so Just to give everybody a little heads up before we start, uh, we will only be discussing the Bucks' own themes, not the Bullet Club themes. Just want to put that out there right now before we start. And we'll start all the way back in 2005. That was the year that the Young Bucks first teamed up together. Because initially, Matt and Nick were singles wrestlers. Matt was Mr. Instant Replay, and Nick was... Slick Nick, uh, how how delightfully indie-rific, those names. And in 2005, they were booked on a show in the Olympic Auditorium in L.A. for Full Contact Wrestling. And when they were booked, they thought they were going to be in a singles match. But when they got there, the booker put them in a tag match together. And the card did not say Mr. Instant Replay and Slick Nick. It said, Matt and Nick, the Young Bucks. They didn't even have the last name Jackson yet. (laughs) That's how early this was. But they did have a theme song, and it's off the album Stay Hungry. This is Twisted Sister with their 80s classic, We're Not Gonna Take It.
Jackson described this song as the whitest song ever. And, you know, it's <laughs> it's pretty easy to see where he's coming from. You know, it's, it's Twisted Sister, it's 80s New York glam metal, it's rockin' guitars and bad attitude vocals from Dee Snyder, it's a rebellious teenage anthem with a cowbell. So this song is pretty damn white. And yeah. the Bucks did not like coming out to this song at all. Again, very understandable. It's straight out of the 80s. It's cliche. Everyone's heard it a million times. I don't know what Matt and Nick's characters were like back then, but I don't think with names like Mr. Instant Replay and Slick Nick, they were rebellious teenagers fighting against the powers that be. We're not gonna take it. <laughs> I imagine they were just, you know, cocky young athletic guys who did cool moves. And that really doesn't gel with this song at all. No. So, for a first tag team theme, especially one that they did not choose themselves, the Bucks could have had better luck, I think, Kelly. But the funny thing is, in retrospect, it's kind of perfect because it weirdly sets the stage for their whole careers. And it does. The we're not going to take it, the whole rebellious thing is kind of their whole mission statement as a team where it's they're these postmodern wrestlers who spam the one move that really works for them and reference 90s wrestlers that were cool and stuff like that. And just, they're not sticking to the norm and it's working and they're leading this whole essentially a rebellion it's yeah kind of nuts how perfect it worked out for him with this song when who would have ever thought that it would be fitting and when you're not when they were starting it wasn't but now if you do kind of like a retrospective documentary or something on them this would probably be a decent song you could put in there because it fits yeah i mean contextually as an entrance theme, it may not work for the Bucks, but the statements of the song, fighting authority, being free to do what you want to do, like you said, Kelly, that's what the Bucks are all about. Their ascension that has taken place over the past few years has stemmed from them saying, let's stop worrying about what other people want us to do or how they want us to be. Let's just have fun and do our own thing and be ourselves. Let's embrace our creative freedom as indie wrestlers. Let's pave our own way. Let's have matches that we want to have, and people are going to take notice of that. As the song goes, we're right, we're free, we'll fight, you'll see. That is the battle cry of both the song and the Young Bucks. Yeah. So we're not going to take it actually ends up being a, a funny case of foreshadowing when it comes to the Bucks and their careers, Kelly. And it's even crazier that they didn't pick it out themselves. Like, that's just kind of amazing. And especially now, I didn't know the Young Bucks, that wasn't their name initially. Like, I didn't know they didn't choose that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the promoter had any deep intentions about it when he gave him this theme. He, he probably thought, okay... I'm going to call these guys the Young Bucks. I need a theme that represents youth culture. You know, something with some energy, some rockin' tune. Uh, my P.O.D. Youth of a Nation CD is scratched, so that's out. <laughs> I'll go with Twisted Sister. I'll go with We're Not Gonna Take It. 
And in an odd twist of fate, this random choice, perhaps, became an omen for what the Bucks would come to represent. I kind of imagine this promoter being like Vince McMahon, where this is like when he had listened to this song, that was the first time he'd ever heard it, like <laughs> years later. And so he's just like, oh man, this is the hot new track. Well, goddamn. The kids, the kids will love it. Somebody get Twisted Sister on the phone. We need this hot new track right now. The kids will love it. Give me that D. Snyder. Mm, You know, I wouldn't call myself a Twisted Sister fan, per se, but I will always respect D. Snyder for standing up for metal and music in general, really. When he spoke at the PMRC hearing in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, for those that don't know, the PMRC was the Parents Music Resource Center, which was this committee that wanted to increase the control that parents had over the music that their kids listened to, that they considered to be obscene or, or filthy. They wanted to put a warning system on albums that had explicit content, like a V for violence, D for drugs, S for sex, stuff like that. And they also had a list of songs called the Filthy 15, which were the 15 most objectionable songs at the time, according to them. One of which was We're Not Gonna Take It by Twisted Sister. And at the hearing, one of the people that they invited to speak was Dee Snyder. And Dee Snyder shows up with the big the big frock of frizzy, blonde 80s hair. And it's the biggest his hair has probably ever looked. It's massive. Like, if you watch the video, it's just enormous. Yeah. <laughs> But that's not it, though. That's not it. He's got the cut-off denim, the, the skin-tight jeans, the snakeskin boots. He looks like a proper dirtbag, and he's proud of it. And the people on the PMRC are kind of looking around, you know, kind of giggling to themselves. Oh, what's this, what's this idiot rocker going to scream at us now about? And he doesn't yell. He doesn't swear. He just reads his speech, and he's calm. He's clear. He defends himself quite well against all the accusations and the character assassinations that the PMRC have against his music and his lyrics. And the PMRC are scrambling and they're trying to jab at him, but he just knocks them all back. So I have nothing but respect for D. Snyder for defending himself and standing up against censorship. Yeah. Yeah, and looking back, like, he's probably the best person you could have sent. <laughs> Cause I don't really, there aren't many guys in, in rock at that time who are as kind of coherent, I guess, <laughs> as he, as he was. I mean, now that he's like clean, you could have sent like a Nikki six, but back then, Oh mm. God, that would have been a nightmare. Yeah. Well, the other two musicians who spoke against the PMRC at the hearing were John Denver and Frank Zappa. So you've got D. Snyder, John Denver, and Frank Zappa, which is the King of Trios team I want to see there, Kelly. You gotta admit. Oh, you yeah. gotta admit no, that's that. a solid jam. Yeah, yeah. Semifinals at least. You gotta imagine, right? Yeah. Yeah. So eventually the Young Bucks did get last names, Jackson. And eventually they did get a new theme song, which they had for years and years all across the indie scene. And you know, when you think of indie wrestling in the 2000s, you think of new metal, 
you think of hip-hop. But when it comes to the Young Bucks, you think of Hanson. Not War Machine Hanson, not Stan Hanson, the 90s pop rock band Hanson. Off the album Middle of Nowhere, this is of course Mbop. from one of the whitest songs ever to, well, another one of the whitest songs ever. I think the <laughs> whitest song ever. It's Hanson, it's Mbop, it's a staple of the 90s, just as much as We're Not Gonna Take It is a staple of the 80s. Yeah. You've got your pop rock music, you've got lyrics about holding on to relationships and finding the right friends. Taylor Hansen, the lead singer, is like 14 here, so his voice is still high. It's light, it's bouncy, it's fun, it's got record scratches in the mix. It's also, like, frustratingly catchy. You know, I, I found myself singing for like a few hours afterwards. And it's the perfect soundtrack for young teenage girls to fall in love for the first time. And for the Young Bucks, as an entrance theme, I think it's also perfect because the characters that they started to portray in the late 2000s into the 2010s are the ultra-obnoxious athletic pretty boys who are such massive dill holes. Uh, they, they do everything they can to get you to hate them and to be as douchey as possible. And with Umbop, this teeny bopper, cutesy, romantic pop song that can be so damn annoying and has no business being on an indie wrestling show whatsoever, it only serves to heighten the obnoxious factor. So it, it, it works perfectly, Kelly. Yeah, it's perfect. Like, I I haven't listened to the song in years. And listening to it for this, I'd forgotten how much I hated it. But at the same time, I'm tapping my foot. And I was like, God... I hate this so much, but it's so catchy. It's so catchy. I just wanted to turn it off, but no, I just had I had to listen through the whole thing, and it's just it's perfect for them as annoying heels. It just makes you want to hate them even more. And then even when they're gone, their theme song is still in your head. <laughs> yeah, and and the reason they started using Mbop in the first place is because some fans heckled them at a show once 
calling them the Hanson brothers because, you know, they got the long hair and they're pretty boys and they're brothers. And in typical Young Bucks fashion, they responded to that by leaning into it and making it a part of their act. Oh, we look like Hanson? Well, we're going to come out to Hanson now. And we've seen them do that countless times. Oh, we do too many super kicks? We're going to do even more super kicks now. We're going to have a super kick party. Oh, we do too many suckets in a match? Screw it, more suckets. So many suckets, it'll make X-Pac blush. <laughs> oh, you think we're killing the business? We're going to sell a t-shirt that says killing the business on it, and it's going to make us a ton of money. You know, the, the Meltzer driver, the fringe, uh, that one outfit they have with their faces all over it. I, that I was mean, my favorite one. I loved it, that one. <laughs> it's all about being ridiculous and colorful and bold and out there and obnoxious as all hell. And when you come out to a song like Mbop, which is very much the antithesis of what a typical indie wrestling theme sounds like, it's par for the course with the Bucks. Because it instantly says, we're not like everybody else. We're doing our own thing, and we don't care. Deal with it. Yep. And if you don't like it, good. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, it's funny, I, I have no memory of the Umbop craze, actually. I, I think I was a little too young at the time. I do remember the Britney Spears explosion. Yeah. Uh, I remember NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys. Um, my sister, of course, had all the albums, and this was still a time when MTV still actually played music videos with some regularity, uh, and they were all over that. But uh, yeah, no memories of Mbop or Hanson. For Mbop, I'm aware it existed. Like, I remember being, like, I remember the song. Like, I know it happened, but I never really remembered the craze around it. But, like, this was, you know, around the time when you had things like the Baja Man and stuff like that. <laughs> I remember back when I, I can't remember how old I was, but it was the, you know, the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards. And my friends being very upset with me that I did not agree that the Baja Man's Who Let the Dogs Out should win <laughs> Best Song. I feel like I was in the right, and history sided with me. Well, when I was a kid, uh, my mom bought me the Baja Men CD. Um... Of course, I only listened to that one song, Who Let the Dogs Out, and nothing else. <laughs> I just listened to that one song on the album, full of songs, that my mom bought for me at, um, I don't know, like Strawberries or some <laughs> other chain that's now gone the way of the Dodo. Have you ever gone back and listened to what else is on that album? I have no idea what's on it, <laughs> and I don't care what's on it, to be honest with you. <laughs> I've never really thought about that. It's like, wait... That had to be on an album. They've got to have more than just that song. I wonder what the rest sounds like. Yeah. Oh, now I have something to look up on Prime Music. Yeah, yeah, that'll be your your goal for today, I suppose. But uh, yeah, when I was listening to Umbop for this episode, it was actually a bit new to me. And, you know, I understand why people would find this song annoying. I do. I'm sure if, if I heard this song nonstop in the 90s, I would want to just cut my ears off at some point. But honestly, I actually kind of like it. I, I found myself uh, tapping my toes to it, Kelly. Yeah, and it's a catchy song. Like I said, I hate it, but it's still really catchy. I can't not. Yeah. I can't really knock it. Like, it's not terrible. 
Mm. It's just very annoying. <laughs> so at the very end of the 2000s, December 2009, Matt and Nick get a tryout with Total Nonstop Action Wrestling. They wrestle the Motor City Machine Guns in a dark match, and lo and behold, they managed to impress TNA management enough that they earned contracts. Uh, the Young Bucks sign with TNA for a year, and first things first, they get new names. Matt Jackson becomes Max Buck, Nick Jackson becomes Jeremy Buck, and the tag team becomes Generation Me. So these are very exciting times for the boys. I'm sure it'll all work out great, Kelly. Uh, their TNA theme, of course, by the one and only Dale Oliver, is also called Generation Me. trend continues here kelly oh it does it um, really does i'm gonna say that pretty much almost all the songs on this episode are blatantly white uh yeah they're all pretty white yeah with the generation me theme you know you've got a pretty simple instrumental here based around some standard brashy guitar riffs and percussion has two verses and it just kind of repeats between the two back and forth the two minutes before it ends it reminds me of your typical pop-punk band of the late 90s, early 2000s. Blink-182, Sum 41, a bit of Green Day in there as well, I think. Yeah, totally. Basically, any band you would see on the Warped Tour, pretty much. And I suppose what Dale Oliver is going for here is that with a name like Generation Me, young, brash, loud, let's go with some pop-punk which is a reasonable road to go down. And the song is okay, it's fine, but it's also just so generic and unmemorable in any way, really, to me. Goes in one ear, out the other. Yeah, this was the first I had heard it, because at this point I wasn't watching TNA. This is after This is after the Hogan stuff, right? No, this is during the Hogan run. Okay, so yeah, pretty much right when the Hogan stuff started, that's when I tapped out on TNA and stopped watching. So I missed their whole run. So yeah, this is the first time I'm hearing the song, and I liked it well enough. Like, it, as you said, it's pretty generic. But the guitar stuff sounds cool. It's like, like you said, it's pop punk. It seems a little on the heavier side. So I guess, yeah, Sum 41 is a decent comparison because they are very, very pop punk, but they did every now and then put in heavier guitars. Mm -hmm. uh, the one thing... The feeling it gave me was I felt like I should wa be watching the Power Rangers fight something <laughs> while I was listening to this. Like, it just sounded like there should be some sort of monster, I don't know, like, 
maybe suicide pops up or there's a bunch of suicides they're all the t- they're all the bad the uh, you know the lower tier bad guys and now the power rangers are fighting them i think that music fits yeah it is very go 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 upbeat high energy but there are no vocals there's not much variety to it as well so again it's just it, it's not bad per se there's just nothing of substance to it either it with the uh, how it loops it kind of reminds me of like a mid-tier nxt theme mm-hmm. yeah like someone would have this theme during the cruiserweight classic you know and yeah then, and then later on they would get a different theme yeah you know, speaking of cruiserweight classic music Am I the only one that really liked TJP's Cruiserweight Classic music? I'm trying to remember it, to be honest I, with you. I loved that song. Like, it was just, a, it felt like a, a normal song. It was much better than his Mega Man music. Well, I liked the Grand Metalik CWC theme he had. Yeah, that was good, too. I liked that a yeah, lot. Yeah, that was a good one, too. Yeah, I, a lot of them I don't remember. Um, I mean, I suppose it's fitting that the Generation Me theme is so unmemorable and ineffectual because <laughs> uh, the Generation Me run itself was so unmemorable and ineffectual. I mean, they had some good matches with the guns and they got on pay-per-view a few times, but nobody looks back on that Gen Me run, that, that, that era of the Bucks with any fondness you no. know, or nostalgia because it sucked. They, they were never given a serious push. They lost way more matches than they won, including to teams like Ink Inc. and Eric Young and Orlando Jordan and Matt Hardy and Eric Bischoff. Look that one up, folks. Oh, God. Uh, they were put in storylines that went nowhere. At one point, they were split up. TNA had them in singles roles uh, feuding with each other in the X Division. And then one week, boop, they're back together. No payoff, no fanfare. So the two ultimately go hand in hand with each other with just how unremarkable they are. I'm trying to remember who Ink Ink was. I'm guessing one of them was Shannon Moore. Shannon Moore and Jesse Neal. Okay, I, I don't even remember who Jesse Neal was. Jesse Neal had the giant mohawk. Wow, and I might was... just not have any idea who that dude is. <laughs> he was also the guy who it was revealed that he was on food stamps. While working for TNA. Oh, okay, I yes, that was I've him. heard that. Okay, that was him. Oh, yeah, dark times certainly. Dark times for TNA. Yeah. And dark times for the Bucks too. I mean, oh god, yeah. When I mentioned earlier about the road that the Bucks have been on, being brutal at times, the TNA run is the quintessential example of this. This is their lowest point for sure because eventually. TNA Creative had nothing for them, so they they just sat at home on a pay-per-appearance contract with no appearances, and things got really grim. I mean, by the time the Bucks left TNA in, like, July 2011, they were at rock bottom, both financially and emotionally. Uh, Matt's wife was pregnant at the time. They were on the verge of being evicted from their apartment. At one point, Matt was in the airport trying to buy like a, a, a 2 or $3 sandwich, and his credit card got declined. Nick had to buy it for him, and Matt legit almost broke down crying in the airport. That was the moment when he realized, you know, never again. Never again will me or my brother 
have to worry about not having money or not being able to provide food, shelter, clothing to our families or not being happy because they weren't happy at all. So they changed their style. They decided to wrestle their own way. They focused more on merchandise and being financially smart. They focused more on social media and building an online fan base. They took charge of their destiny and became the tag team that they wanted to be. And judging by how history has gone, it's worked out quite well for them. So out of the utter shit that was Generation Me has blossomed a beautiful, lucrative, fringe-decorated flower, Kelly. Yeah, going back to what we said earlier, it's all about the perseverance. Yeah. Let's move on to another promotion now, Ring of Honor, which over the past few years has become one of the exclusive promotions which the Young Bucks are assigned to. They debuted in ROH in 2009 and had been there on and off for a number of years before signing exclusive contracts in 2015. And ever since then, they've been two of Ring of Honor's biggest stars, headlining shows, winning titles, selling tickets, the whole shebangabang. Their theme in ROH is by Blue Sun. It's called War of Nerves. Another rock guitar centric song here for the Bucks. In fact, all of the songs that we've played so far have been some form of rock and roll. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had glam metal, pop rock, pop punk, and here with War of Nerves, it's kind of like an old school 70s rock sound. Some yeah. lower tuned guitars, got a nice bass to it, pounding drums, even has a breakdown section in the middle where it's just the drums and the bass. And the main riff kicks back in, which is something that you would hear in a 70s rock song. Um, the riff, by the way, does remind me a lot of a song called Dr. Doctor by UFO, which of course is from the 70s. So, War of Nerves by itself, it's a bit, a bit bland perhaps. It's not that exciting of a song. And on its own, it doesn't really scream Young Bucks to me. But it does have the intro with the Terminator stomp. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 bum. And the super kick party stinger, which does give it a little spice on top and does make it easier to uh, recognize it as a Young Bucks theme. Much more so than the Gen Me theme did, Kelly. That's for sure. Yeah, it's not a super notable song. It's pretty generic, but mm -hmm. at this point, it's the song that I most associate with the Young Bucks. 
because I've just seen them come out to it so many times. The first time I ever saw the Bucks live was a Ring of Honor show, and they came out to this song. So that's kind of just the song that's in my memory whenever I think of them making an entrance. And, like, the song's, as I said, it's pretty generic, but the beat is kind of bouncy enough that mm-hmm. it works for their entrance. So it's, you know, they, you, they can line up the super kicks to the camera right for it, and times in with how they get into the ring. Like, it, it shockingly works for them when it's not a song that I would initially say, oh, yeah, that's a Young Bucks theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, it's not a theme that you would connect to the Bucks at first, but as you mentioned, after you see them make their entrance to it and once those accoutrements are put at the beginning of the song, you can definitely see how it works for the Bucks. Yeah, no, it's, it's begin, it's, like I said, it's one of those things where I just associate with it with them now. If I hear anything that even sounds a little bit like it, I have Young Bucks pop in my head. I, uh, I don't know who Blue Sun is. I assume that they're a stock music group and are part of a production library. Um, there are actually there are quite a few ROH themes that are stock music. Uh, you know. Oh Jay- yeah, there's a lot of them. There's uh, one of them. It was oh the theme song to uh, Ring of Honor, the Ring of Honor TV mm-hmm. was used in an episode of Common Rider uh build really watching ones yeah like i was watching the scene it was in a flashback and i hear this music and i'm thinking man this is really familiar i don't know what this is i started over this is a ring of honor theme. (laughs) yeah i I remember watching spike tv and they would run like these bumpers in between shows and i remember hearing hardcore holly's theme and the hardy boys theme and i was like huh what are what are these doing here? But that's, you know, that's Zach Tempest, who was the guy who did those themes. And he's obviously not an in-house WWE guy. So he just, he let Spike TV use those songs. But uh, yeah, I always like looking at the names of the artists who do the Ring of Honor themes. Like I, I always enjoy uh, Voodoo Johnson, I believe is one of them. Yes. Adam Massacre is another one. Yep. Yep. But yeah, guys like Jay Lethal, Best Friends, Punishment Martinez, The Kingdom, um, Hangman Page's new Western-centric theme is also a stock music song. Really? So, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, no judgments, of course. But, yeah, I had a really hard time trying to find any scrape of info about Blue Sun. So I just assume that they're another production library band. Now, here's an interesting thing. Um, the Bucks have not always used the Terminator Stomp and Superkick Party intro in the song because they started using War of Nerves in 2011. And that was, of course, years before they started uh, doing the Terminator shtick with Kenny Omega and the um, Superkick Party stuff. So they just had War of Nerves without the intro. And in my way of thinking, this okay kind of generic rock song is once again fitting for that era of the young bucks the 2011-2012 roh era of the bucks because they may be riding high on the hog now in ring of honor Mm -hmm. but back then they weren't exactly running the show Uh, it, it was quite frankly another go nowhere run because at that point jim Cornette was booking roh and he is not the biggest fan of the Young Bucks, that's for sure. 
Oh, you so, don't really? I, I figured they'd be his favorite. Shocking, I know. Totally shocking. But yeah, as we got into the spring and summer of 2012, their appearances in ROH became fewer and fewer. Uh, whenever they did show up in ROH, they were losing often. And eventually in August 2012, they left Ring of Honor. And they wouldn't come back until like a year later when Jim Cornette left ROH and Delirious took over as head booker. Um, thankfully, they did have other indie promotions to fall back on and sustain their income. But yeah, that year or so in ROH was another misfire in their career, for sure. Yeah, no, there was there was that dark time, but again, you know, darkness before the dawn. It's funny, you know, I'm, I'm actually reminded of King of Trios 2012, when the Young Bucks teamed up with Mike Bennett as Team ROH. The joke, of course, being that the Young Bucks at that point had already left ROH. <laughs> so it was kind of funny to have their team be called that, Kelly. That's one I always mean to go back and watch. It's when... pretty good. I've always heard it's awesome. There's a lot of good stuff from that year. Yeah. So the other promotion that the Young Bucks call home these days is New Japan Pro Wrestling. They debuted in New Japan in 2013 in the Super Junior Tag Tournament. They won it. Then they won the IWGP Junior Tag Team Championship, just like that. They're seven-time Junior Tag Team Champions, and currently they are the IWGP Tag Team Champions in New Japan's Heavyweight Division. Their New Japan theme is by Inosuke Kitamura. It's available on NJPW Greatest Music 3. It's called Double Barrel. my main man, King Kitamura, to put some zest back into the proceedings. Some fire, some variety. Yes, more rock and roll, more metal, but the rock and metal here pack a real punch. There's a real force behind those main guitar riffs, a real visceral quality to them, which I think was sorely lacking in prior themes. And speaking of variety, it's not just rock and roll. It's not just metal. Mm -hmm. You've got a lot of electronic bits and bobs in there as well. Some keyboards popping in and out, some processed percussion sounds, some more record scratching as well. And much of the vocals in the song that we get are heavily processed 
and computerized. They sound kind of like uh, GLaDOS from Portal. You know, rock and roll. Everybody. Yeah, they almost sound like a speech to text. Yeah, yeah. Everybody move. Everybody move. So the main takeaway that I get from this song is that, hey, at least it's not another generic rock instrumental. And Kelly, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It is. Yeah, I got to be honest. This song, it's not my favorite, but it sounds really cool when they're walking to the ring. Like, it just how it kind of echoes in the arena just has a cool effect and it just sounds really nice in a bigger and the bigger the venue is the cooler their entrance sounds Mm -hmm. listening to it just on its own doesn't really work for me but i think it really it it's a big venue song like i i like it in that regard and but yeah the vocals i never noticed them until listening to it for this and they're just so weird well yeah typical of kitamura's themes I tried to decipher the lyrics as best as I could because <laughs> one of his recurring tropes and his themes, as mentioned countless times on this show, is that he has vocals that are buried so deep in the mix or they're processed so heavily I can hardly understand what they are, like Beretta's theme or the Killer Elite Squad theme or AJ Styles' theme in New Japan. This one, it's not that bad i can sort of make out a lot of the words ask me to make the move can you feel the ocean from under your feet feel that beat feel that beat rock and roll smoky sexy rock and roll and so on and so forth which i guess the bucks are an exciting tag team a rockin tag team if you will nick usually air guitars on his way to the ring and the whole concept of feeling the beat and smoky sexy rock and roll <laughs> goes along with that. It goes along with their energy and their slick movements. So I guess the lyrics work in this case, Kelly. If they had a shirt that said Young Bucks and in the back it said Smoky Sexy Rock and I'd Roll. buy it. Yeah, I'd buy that. I'd buy it, yeah. I'm kind of amazed that doesn't exist. <laughs> well, maybe they can't hear it either. <laughs> That's good. Maybe they, yeah, maybe they don't even know their, their music as vocals. I do like that the Bucks New Japan theme sounds different than their ROH theme because even though the Bucks are pretty much the same tag team in both companies, the companies themselves are different environments with different storylines and different atmospheres. So the Bucks could be feuding with the Briscoes or the Kingdom or SCU and ROH, but in, in New Japan, they're feuding with LIJ or GOD or whomever. And Double Barrel having a stylistically distinct sound that separates it from the 70s rock of War of Nerves reinforces that notion. Yeah, no, for them especially, they kind of... There's very few team uh, wrestlers that go back and forth between Ring of Honor and New Japan that kind of play different roles. But yeah, the Bucks definitely do. And, and not so much anymore, but at, earlier on, of j- even just a, like a year or so ago, I think the different themes help differentiate what character they were at what given moment. Yeah, and it's called Double Barrel. They're a tag team, and when they hit you in the face with a double super kick, you could say that they're hitting you with both barrels. Yep. Which is the kind of wordplay I can get behind, <laughs> Kelly. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. The man's a professional through and through, that's for sure. 
So the final theme of today's episode is technically one that hasn't debuted yet as of this recording. Uh, the Young Bucks announced that they would have a brand new theme debuting at All In. So by the time that this comes out, this song will already be out there. The song is by Meat Sauce Media, and it's called Super Kick Party. This is a Young Bucks theme. Dare I say it's the ultimate Young Bucks theme because it's really taking the essence of the Young Bucks and boiling it down into a song. It's got the rock and roll swagger, the bravado, the arrogance with the main riff. It's got the epic guitar work that opens the song and recurs throughout the song sort of an audio cue to their epic dynamic moveset. The Elite taunt and the Superkick Party taunt are in there. Uh, the woo and the electronic beats and the group vocals, which give it a, a fun party atmosphere that a lot of Bucks matches have as well. It even ends with Matt Jackson saying, Young Bucks, we're killing the business. And really, this is who the Young Bucks are. They are not afraid of expressing themselves in any avenue, whether it's in the ring, on Twitter, on YouTube, even on their ring gear. You know exactly who the Young Bucks are because they never shy away from telling you. And now with this new theme that clearly was made with their involvement, they now have a way of telling you who they are with their music. This is one that I'm going to have to wait to see in person to figure out if I like it or not. Because to me, it doesn't match the energy that I feel from that team. But I would have said the same thing about Marty Skrull's music the first time I had heard it. And I think his music works perfectly for him. And this actually reminds me a lot of that song in terms of pace. So I, it might work for them too. So I'm going to have to reserve judgment until I see it actually, until I see an entrance. Mm -hmm. Overall, I do like it. But Same. I don't know. Um, I didn't think to look this up uh, until just this now moment. But is Meat Sauce Media, is that their dad? No. Uh, they are actually no. a brand new production company. And they formed this year. And okay. the song is literally their first project. Which, huh. hey, not bad for your first song, right? No. <laughs> Making a theme for, like, the hottest tag team in wrestling. Just in time to debut it at All In, the hottest show around right now and on their website they say that they specialize in music for combat sports and sports entertainment so 
We'll see going forward which wrestling personalities that Meat Sauce Media make music for. Yeah, if it's a success, who knows? Who might be blowing up their phone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm honestly a little surprised that this wasn't like a Papa Buck original. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. with how he does all the music for being the elite. Yeah, yeah. See, actually, I like this song quite a bit. Uh, it's kind of towards the top end of Buck's themes, in my opinion. And it's funny, you mentioned the Power Rangers earlier. I have seen online people compare this song <laughs> to a Power Rangers song. Would you say that's a fair comparison to make, Kelly? I can see it. Yeah, I think it's not as fast as a Power Rangers song uh, would typically be. But yeah, no, I could see it. Yeah, I think it does have that same kind of heroic, over-the-top kind of rock and roll vibe to it. You know, yeah. That, that kind of thing. I mean, all I picture is the Bucks, like, uh, super kicking the Putty Patrol. You know, just one after the other. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> yeah, I man, I'm surprised they, they should do something. I want the Young Bucks Rangers. Let's make this happen. Well, they've got the color scheme for it. You know, yeah. they've got uh, the blue and green and red and all that stuff. It, it could happen. Yeah, I just looked it up. The original Power Rangers music, that was all made by a guy named Ron Wasserman. And I, I feel like he, he could get into the wrestling music business <laughs> and make some good money. Definitely, definitely. So that was the theme history of the Young Bucks. Matt and Nick Jackson, one of my favorite tag teams around and one of the best tag teams ever, in my opinion. They're just so damn good. Yeah. And whether it's an ROH show, a New Japan show, PWG, wherever, when the Bucks step into the ring, you're going to enjoy yourself. I saw them wrestle Bushi and Hiromu at War of the Worlds a few months back, and they tore the goddamn house down. Best match of the night, which you can say about a lot of Bucks matches, of course. So, All In is this Saturday, and I wish Matt, Nick, and Cody good luck. I hope it goes off without a hitch. Of course, this being indie wrestling, chances are there will be plenty of hitches. Oh, of course. <laughs> More hitches than you can shake a stick at, uh, but... Seriously, though, the Young Bucks, all their hard work, all their effort, all their struggles, I think they deserve a win here. Oh, absolutely. They deserve to be kings of the wrestling world right now. Uh, what about you, Kelly? Uh, any final thoughts on the Young Bucks? They're one of my favorite tag teams. They're some of my favorite wrestlers. Uh, if you ever seeing them live, you know you're going to be in for a good match. They always deliver. Like I've, ne- I, don't, I can't think of a Young Bucks match I've ever seen and thought, Nah, that wasn't really good. Like, they always go out there every time, and they put on a good show. And that's what you want out of a wrestler. Like, that's all you, you want to be entertained. That's all you can yeah. really ask for. <laughs> and they always do it. And I'm very excited to see what they do with All In. Definitely. Well, I think teaming with Abushi against Rey Mysterio, Phoenix, and Bandito, I think they're going to do it. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I that think should they're going to be They're going to check the box on that one. That's for sure. All right. Well, that does it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening. And Kelly, thank you for coming back on the show. This was a ton of fun as always. Thank you for having me. Talking to you about wrestling. You're so welcome. You're a goddamn delight, (laughs) Kelly Harris. So if you have any plugs, go right ahead. Uh, As as you said earlier, I host the Panels on Pages podcast every Tuesday night at 9.00. Uh, We do a live show. You can listen to us over on YouTube. And if not, just wait for it to hit your podcast feed. Uh, I write for Voices of Wrestling, do 
every WWE pay-per-view review. I haven't been driven insane yet, but but you're getting you know, there. Almost, it's a there. work in progress. I feel like SummerSlam was almost a step back because it wasn't aggressively bad. <laughs> it didn't like really upset me. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think that's kind of saved me for a few more months. Like they need to do something really really bad. Yes, a uh, a necessary reprieve from the oncoming madness. Yes, I think. <laughs> And then, yeah, I just pop up every now and then on the uh, VOW podcasts in various places, and you should listen to all of them because they're all great. And Music of the Mat is part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network, home to such amazing podcasts like Burning Spirits, Shake Them Ropes, WrestleNomics Radio, Wrestling Omakaze, Open the Voice Gate, Brit Riz Roundtable, and plenty more. Check them all out at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. Go to the VOW forums to find the YouTube playlist for this episode and all past episodes. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash forum. And of course, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. Kelly... Thanks again, and I'm looking forward to talking to you again in the future. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, every, anytime you want me on, let me know. All right, for Kelly Harris, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. Paid non-attorney spokesperson, Janelle and Associates Law Firm with Principal Office in Houston, Texas, is responsible for the content of this ad. Attention all active or retired military. If you are diagnosed with tinnitus or hearing loss after using yellow and black or yellow and olive dual-ended earplugs, you may be entitled to significant cash compensation. These earplugs permitted damaging sounds to enter the ear canal. If you served in the military and were later diagnosed with hearing loss or tinnitus, call 800-871-7344 right now to see if you qualify for significant cash compensation. The manufacturer knew of the defect but did not warn its customers. Complaints alone. Alleged that the manufacturer manipulated test results to make it appear that the plugs met government standards. If you deployed to Iraq or Afghanistan anytime from 2003 through 2015 and are now suffering from diagnosed hearing loss or tinnitus, you may be entitled to significant cash compensation. Call 800-871-7344 right now. Hurry, time is limited. Call 800-871-7344 now to see if you qualify for cash compensation. Call 800-871-7344. That's 800-871-7344. 800-871-7344.